Michelle Sorrow, and this is Fire and Soul, a community where awakening leaders and truth seekers gather to unite in sovereignty in today's triggered world. Featuring courageous and compassionate conversations, Fire and Soul will help you reclaim sovereignty in life, love, and leadership. Let's listen, learn, and stand together as models for our new world, starting now. Welcome back, Fire and Soul family. So good to be with you today, wherever you are. I'm sending you so much love and appreciation for taking the time to tune in. Thank you. Thank you for doing this for you and all of those that you will touch as you learn to be more sovereign in your heart and in the present moment, which is really the only place that our true freedom resides. Before I open up this really beautiful conversation with my friend, Sarah Prout, I want to let you know about our first circle uh, in the Soul Circles mission. And this is called the Spring Ceremony, and it's happening right around the corner on May 18th. If you're listening to this dose in real time, there's two different times to join us, 12 or 5 p.m. Pacific, and just a little bit of context on what is available to you if you show up to receive. This is a completely free online gathering to open your heart, align with self-trust, and awaken your sovereign presence to experience the sensation of spring ecstasy, easy trust, and a peaceful sense of your personal power. I'm so excited to share this with you. Many of you have already signed up, but for those of you who haven't heard about it yet, um, here's what you can receive in the spring ceremony. A dynamic and vibrational meditation to open your heart and deepen into pure peace. Identify and release the beliefs that keep you from embodying self-trust. Activate the energy of trust to align with your deepest desires a shamanic initiation to awaken and anchor your sovereignty and the catalyst to move you into your most and aligned and authentic life. I can speak today. Anyway, this is all happening for you. So it's at again, michelle-sorrow forward slash spring circle. And if that called to you on any level, do not delay because you will forget or get distracted and mean to circle back, but you just didn't reserve your seat. So hit pause right now and head on over uh, so that you can meet us there and join in an extraordinary connection with a phenomenal community. I cannot wait to see you there. All right, my friends, this is going to be a really beautiful conversation. It's honest, it's vulnerable, it's deep and narrow, and you are going to be so inspired by my guest today. Many of you have probably already uh, been made aware of her or perhaps... um, you know, uh, followed her on social media. But just to give a little background on this beautiful soul, she's an international best-selling author, intuitive mentor, and host of the Manifest podcast. Named a manifestation guru by Cosmopolitan Magazine, Sarah went from living on welfare as a single mother in Australia to creating a successful seven-figure company. Over the last decade, Sarah has inspired millions of people with her words on emotional empowerment, intuitive wisdom, and heart-based healing. She is driven by a belief that anyone can manifest the life of their wildest dreams and guide their destiny if they have the courage to do so. She's born in New Zealand, raised in Australia, and Sarah now lives in the United States with her husband and four children. Her latest book that we're going to dive into here and who she had to become to put it out into the world during her own awakening journey um, is uh, called Be the Love, Seven Ways to Unlock Your Heart and Manifest Happiness. Be the Love is a beautiful journey and invitation to use the power of your emotions to achieve happiness through practical guidance and wisdom that she shares through her personal stories, stories that she's never shared before, soulful exercises, affirmations, and journal prompts. You are going to love this conversation. I've shared all the links and how you can connect with Sarah in the show notes and another link for you to pick up Be The Love book. And when you do, you will get access to a free Be The Love meditation album uh, that is yours just for picking up the book. 
I get no piece of that. I just want to share the love with you because I love Sarah so much and you're going to love this conversation and uh, her open heart and beautiful medicines she gets to share with our community. So without further ado, my friends, I hope to see you in the spring ceremony and definitely wishing you an incredible time as you experience this conversation with Sarah Prout. Welcome back to Fire and Soul, Sarah. This feels like our three-year anniversary. It's so good to see you again. It's so good to see you too, Michelle. I'm so excited to be here to have this conversation. It's long overdue, right? <laughs> and honestly, I know behind the scenes and certainly by reading your brand new book, Be the Love, which we're going to dive into today, you've had a lot of life growth from the very inside out, just like I have. But I want to just piggyback on our episode, our first time that we connected on Fire and Soul. You came on and we talked about how to manifest love because Dear Universe had just come out. I am still a raving fan of that best-selling book, but that was May 6th of 2019. So this feels like a beautiful full circle to be here and now. So besides diving into the book, because that manuscript was sent in a year ago, how have you been this last year or so? Because a lot of life has been lived. What's your journey been like to this moment? Wow, I think one word that I can think of is acceleration. It mm. feels like, it doesn't feel like three years, it feels like a different lifetime where I've changed and grown and learned new, new resources and spiritual tools along the way to help me cope. There's been lots of breakdowns before the breakthrough and it's just been cyclic. And that's part of the reason why I wrote the book is because I got to such a traumatic time in my life where I had to face some demons. I had to grow or the stakes were too high to lose. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Before we even dive into some of the tenets of the book that really spoke to my heart, be the love. Do you mind sharing what some of those demons were that you had to face just like I have had to and many of my listeners or yes, it's kind of like life is going to be unbearable. Yeah. So I, uh, I worked with a company called Goldcast to create a viral video. Well, it went viral. I didn't know that it would. And it documented my story of survival of 10 years of domestic violence. And what I didn't realize is that that video would be viewed by over 70 million people. Wow. And so there were comments and communities popping up. And what I noticed is that it, it told the story from such a surface level. And so it began to pick at some wounds that I thought were healed. And in my relationship with my husband, things started to echo the sentiments of my first relationship. And mm -hmm. that was taking responsibility for the fact that I have been abusive. And we don't, we don't really hear a lot of women come forward and say that in a relationship. There's a lot of blame that's put on the man. Now, it took a lot to get to that point where I realized I was being violent emotionally with my words, with how demanding I was being. And so I had to learn the be the love um, philosophy that I share in the book called feel, heal and reveal. And it really got to a breaking point where my husband said to me, look, Sarah, you got to change the way that we do this. Otherwise I'm out. Mm -hmm. And we had fought so hard to be together. We had mm -hmm. created so much. We, manifested these beautiful babies, you know, after having, I had uh, five miscarriages in a row. And so for me to not do the emotional work, even though I am, still am a prominent manifestation teacher, had so much shadow work and shame around it that I knew that I either had to dive in and share this or suppress it and not be as authentic as I'd like to be for my audience. Mm. So that was beautiful. Because, and you do share about that in Be the Love, but mm -hmm. I just appreciate that you just come right out of the gate. We've been going for three <laughs> minutes you know, and you just shared. That's what it feels like when we actually can be willing and courageous enough to live mm -hmm. the mask, right? Yeah. And there's a lot at stake. Not only was your relationship at stake with your dream man that you manifested, mm -hmm. but what else was at stake? I mean, I'm imagining quite a few things, but I'd love for you to articulate. What did you imagine was at stake that probably wasn't? Well, the biggest thing is really my children seeing the pattern of emotional violence that oh. probably stems back generations of wanting to solve conflict in the moment or wanting to um, have a conversation when the other person's not ready or demanding mm -hmm. space. I mean, my husband would always say, I need space. I just need space. I need to process this. And I'd be like, no, I need to deal with this now. 
And I, I caught myself in a moment of this isn't sustainable. This is breaching my internal integrity codes. I can't mm. show up on camera and talk to people about light and love and manifesting. If I'm, you know, when, when arguments happen, as they usually do in a relationship, because we're human beings, right? We're, we're supposed to have disagreements, but we need to learn how to build that bridge of conscious communication mm. and, and own our emotions rather than projecting the disowned parts of ourselves onto other people. And so <laughs> this awareness came to me after I landed the book deal for Be The Love. And so I was in the process of revisiting all of the old emotions from my mm. first marriage, the domestic violence. And, and then I was realizing I'm not really sharing authentically from the things and ways that I contributed to the dysfunction. It's mm. all very well to tell one side of the story and to have 70 million people see it. But I thought to myself, wow, what if my ex-husband created a Goldcast video? I mean, he could tell some stories. And there's some stories that I share in the book as well of how I had an affair and, and some of the ways in which I would, be, I would be mean because I didn't feel very good about myself. And so mm -hmm. the breakdown for me was really the corrosion of worthiness. And as human beings, that's a normal rite of passage to go through that what do they call it? The dark night of the soul. And for me, it happened when each time I wrote a draft of this book, it was like the universe just went, you know what? Down you go again, Sarah. And then I had to keep getting back up. And each time I got back up, I was stronger. It was dismantling another level and layer of the illusion. And so when I first began writing, I did the, uh, what, the way it works is that when you have a traditionally published book, you have usually have an agent. So I was pitching around the idea to all of the different publishing houses. I was so excited to write that I started writing. This was at the same time we were in lockdown. And so I, we, none of us knew what was going on. I was Clorox wiping my Amazon packages. You know, that had like a, a sense of anxiety around it. And then the other, the next layer was peeled back and then the next layer. And then there were so many conclusions or assumptions and room for growth and uh, beautiful dreams that would be unraveled to me. I felt like it was a time where even though the world seemed to be going mad, my intuition was strengthening. Mm. And I think it's undeniable when you're presented with a narrative not to ask the questions. And so my critical thinking mind started to step forward in a mm. way that I've never invited it to do before. So I, I started examining my language patterns and the way that I use universals. So when I'd argue, for instance, I'd say to my husband, you always behave like this or you never listen to me. And, you know, I, I teach people about conscious communication and I wasn't doing it because when you're emotionally triggered, all of the old wounds and patterns come up. And so I really had to learn how to walk the talk as I was writing the book. And it's been it's probably been over 18 months now since I finished the final manuscript. You asked me before and I said a year. It has been about 18 months since I was really at peace with presenting this message to the world. Oh, beautifully said. Thank you so much for all of that honesty and vulnerability and oh, radical responsibility. Um, I want to give the proper title to the book, even though I just did an intro on you. Be the Love, Seven Ways to Unlock Your Heart and Manifest Happiness. This is practical guidance through your own personal vulnerable stories and wisdom, right? That's your experience that you've embodied that you can now be the oracle and share. Soulful exercises that include powerful affirmations and honestly, like, soul and heart opening journal prompts your journal prompts are so deep and so beautiful <laughs> but what you. I love about what you just shared in your at peace seventh manuscript if I know that correctly you know 18 months ago and here we are in May uh right before everyone can pick this up virtually anywhere <laughs> and everywhere um and I highly encourage everyone to do so is that not only were you waking up to illusions of your own micro experience right as being mm -hmm. a human and the mirror was looking at you so mm -hmm. earnestly but then mm -hmm. at the same time you're waking up to the reality of the world i mean this is a true spiritual awakening from the inside out and that's what i love about be the love is that an average person who isn't as awake as i know you are and our community here in fire and soul is we can look at this as truly a manual a blueprint to get through this time with more sovereignty and self-love mm. 
That's a beautiful way of putting it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, for me, I had a choice point. I could either choose to be vulnerable, which I believe facilitates healing, or I could suppress the truth and deliver a fast food version of spirituality, which has been done so much. And I really wanted to infiltrate that layer of awareness to serve the people that are ready to hear it. And as I mentioned with you before, it was like, everyone gets different things from at different levels and layers and Michelle I was so honored that you understood from a really high level overview the intention and the message of the book isn't just about the the surface level themes that I talk about from you know my my son being an adult, an adult now and moving out of home which was really tough and part of the awakening as well but uh, you know, from having an eating disorder or some of the experiences I had with teenage boys. I mean, there, there was so many layers to how I was seeking safety, control and approval. And I believe mm -hmm. that when people are in a state of suffering or they're scrambling to feel okay emotionally, those are the three elements that people are looking for, safety, mm. control or approval. And so I bring it back to that in my Be The Love Method, which is to feel, heal, and reveal, allow yourself to feel those feelings, cry it out, don't suppress them, right? That's the worst thing we can do. But yet we live in a society that's surrounded by easy distractions to keep us numb. And so when we can choose to rise above that, rise above it, feel those feelings, even if they are those feelings that don't feel the best, feel them, journal them. And then that reveals to you a healing path. And then the universe, God, higher power, source, will reveal those next steps. It's like we're on the ultimate treasure hunt <laughs> of these beautiful gems that are just delivered into our reality at the moment when we're ready to meet them energetically. But we have yeah. to do the work. We have to do the work. And we, yeah. we can't afford to do that anymore. No, it's actually urgent that we can't. And many still will, right? Like we can't wake yeah. everybody up. And I've, I've certainly lost my... Um, Oh my gosh, I was obsessed with this cult mentality of wanting to wake everybody up that I cared yeah. about, even those that I didn't even know. It felt like a mandate. But you and I were talking about this before I hit record. It's like the more that you wake up, the more that you realize you simply be the love. You embody, right, that awakening presence and innocence yeah. and purity. And you let everyone else be however they're going to be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right? It, does, it begins with self-responsibility. Yeah. It's self-responsibility yeah. at its core. So we, we can expect other people to change and say, wake up, wake up. You're not doing what I think you should do, but maybe they're on their perfect timeline to wake yes. up when they're meant to. And that's, it's in the trusting of that, in the letting go of control. And then at the same time, offering ourselves self-compassion because we're so tough on ourselves going, mm. well, I should have it all figured out by now because I'm a certain age or you know, so-and-so has achieved this and I haven't yet. It's about sovereignty, which I know you speak a lot about, Michelle. The, the beauty of sovereignty and what that can truly teach us as spiritual beings. Mm, thank you so much for that. And I'm so glad that we're connecting on this because, you know, there is a lot of bypassing. And my yeah. listeners know that I'm always kind of preaching about the, the numbing and the suppressing and the oppressing, especially with the alcohol and the eating and the, you know, yeah. social distractions and the busyness, right, that keeps us always wanting more and more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to know an example just right here off the cuff of what feel, heal and reveal could look like in action for like, let's say someone who is used to a pretty strong pattern of mm -hmm. numbing at night, whether it's through TV, Netflix, mm -hmm. drinking bottle of wine, um, eating, right, ordering in way more than they normally would if they were sort of, you know, in yeah. alignment with their, their physical body. But what could that look like instead of just mindlessly, you know, grabbing for that, that glass of wine or grabbing the remote control, what could mm -hmm. that example look like? Because that's where I want so many people to just reclaim their sovereignty is in that nightly routine, which is where the whole day was good. I was strong. I exercised. I smiled. I radiated love. But that <laughs> shit, I don't know. That was my wine. <laughs> yeah. Right? Exactly. I'm going to be yeah. rewarded now because I was productive. So it's about identifying the pattern and then going inward and remembering that in each and every moment, we find ourselves at a choice point. A choice point that whatever avenue we select has an outcome, whether that's fear-based or whether that's love-based. And for me, especially during the pandemic, I loved it because it really showed me the dependencies that I had developed. 
outside of that pandemic. You know, I lived uh, in Las Vegas at the time and we would order food a lot. We had nannies looking after our children. What else was there? We used to go out to restaurants. We used to travel a lot. I used to go out spending money on clothes and all that kind of thing. And then it all shut down. Mm-hmm. And I had my family under the same roof. The nannies left. We couldn't get, you know, deliveries anymore. And it was uncomfortable at first, but I learned how to replace one behavior with another. And so I would self-soothe. And what that looked like was going outside and looking up at the stars. It was that simple. It was remembering the bigger picture at play. It was about enjoying the stillness because I lived 20 minutes outside of Las Las Vegas. It's pretty nutty, but the planes would always, you know, the skies lit up. It, It was so still and so quiet. There were no lights on the strip. There were no planes in the sky. There wasn't the same frantic energy that I've since moved away from. And I love Las Vegas. I think it has a place. But for me at that point in my life, I found myself at a place of internal peace. So for Mm. anyone that is in that habit, in the the ritualistic habit of pouring the wine, you can Mm. do that if it's from a space of consciousness. If you truly know and can identify, I'm not doing this to feel better. I'm doing this to enjoy the moment. Ah, oh, and moment by moment is what we're learning. Moment by moment, community. yeah. The only place that we are free and it's the only place that we are safe and mm-hmm. it's the only place that we can literally be wholly alive. That's all that we're guaranteed is right now. Yep. And I am so glad that we are in this <laughs> moment together. Thank yes. you for that example. Um, that is really helpful. And it reminded me of actually probably my favorite part of your book, Sarah, and it's your 111 self-care ideas to be the love. And so I literally, <laughs> I'm, I'm showing Sarah my book. I know you guys can't see it, but I circled out of the 111. I'm like, oh my gosh, ever since I woke up deeply in yeah. late fall of last year, well, it was really August 6th, but I didn't know it until like October. I've done like 80% of these. I do most That's- of these daily. <laughs> That's so funny. It is so funny you mentioned that because when I was living in Las Vegas during the lockdown, that's when I wrote that list and I'd completely Uh, forgotten about it until you just mentioned it. This is so beautiful. I'm just going to read a few of them that are my favorites that I'd love for you. If you don't mind to read a few of you that are your favorites. Sure. Um, So keep a dream journal. I was like, Mm. she said this. I've been writing my dreams down. Note down symbols, signs, and messages that appear to you in your dreams. And then I always also talk to uh, my listeners about this, our community. It's our sacred sanctuary Mm -hmm. that then you'll begin to notice the signs, symbols, and messages throughout your day because our angels yeah. and our guides are always guiding us. Um, number 18, have a social media break and unfollow anyone who doesn't inspire you. Yeah. It's like, why would we want that energy coming into our mind? Um, uh, burn sage or diffuse uh, essential oils to clear the energy in your home. Breathe deeply for five minutes. Mm. I could go on and on. I literally have all of that in my if we just took on five of these a day for one week, and then you move to five more, you could literally change your life. What are some of your favorites? I'm just looking at them here. Um, hug people or pets. I love giving, I've got three dogs. I know you have a beautiful dog too, Michelle. It's hugging pets. It's such a beautiful, just simple way of anchoring in presence in the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. Write a letter to your future self. So start future pacing and and honoring that journey. And also, um, what was the other one? The uh, the signs. I want to go back to the signs because that was one of the reasons I I included it in the book. When I finished the manuscript, I'd left my office door open that night and a hummingbird flew in and it was perched on the corner of my screen. And I said to my husband, "Uh, Sean, there's a hummingbird in my office. And the last thing I had done on the computer was click save on the manuscript. And so to me, that was a beautiful sign of alignment that this, this book's going to help the people it needs to. Oh, well, I'm so <laughs> happy that story. And when I read that story, because I read your book twice um, before this conversation, I just, there were so many different points of alignment that I know so many other readers are going to feel because you're speaking universal truth, right? And so there's a resonance, a remembrance. I feel mm-hmm. like you've brought this all home, which is where love resides. It's home in our soul. It's just the truth of who we are. And um, right before I left my apartment in Santa Monica that I just remodeled to the tune of $50,000 because I never thought I would give it up. Mm -hmm. um, A hummingbird every single day for five days came to visit in front of my window because I keep them open. (laughs) 
two feet from me and just, just, wow. just in flight, but like huh. still, and, and yeah. it was kind of like so clear that I was being told you only have so much time. There's a big shift coming. This is a really yeah. important sign for you to pay attention to. And mm -hmm. so even the song that was playing during those moments, I just, I remember it now, like it was yesterday because that was God mm -hmm. speaking through the oh, song. Beautiful. I, I love that. I love that. And yeah. it keeps coming. It keeps happening. I've got goosebumps. I'm just, <laughs> just really letting that land because it's so beautiful to hear that it, there are so many different ways that the confirmations can come through. And especially when it's not from a space of desperation of needing to attach meaning to it, which I've seen so much of in the manifestation industry where it's like, just because you see a rainbow does not mean you're going to win the lottery soon, you know? And so it's Right. And I, and I know you know that because you guys see rainbows on very important days yes. all the time. Yes. Um, right. So yeah, it's, it's so important to learn how to have that discernment. And that's what you mm. speak about so deeply and beautifully in Be The Love is, is really helping people step more fully, actually awaken to their intuition, their innate yes. oracle, you know, that's residing within. Can we expand on that for a moment? What does you are the Oracle Oracle mean for you a year and a half out having written the book, <laughs> sent it off, and now what this book has taught you and shown you looking mm. back 18 months? Well, you are the Oracle to me. And since writing that means that we are intuitive beings and that so often we hand our power over to external sources to validate what we know internally. Mm. So I, <laughs> I use an example in the book of when I have ever gone to see psychics and I love the psychic services industry and healers and, and people that have that as an awareness. Um, mm. And what is really, the thing that I keep on coming back to is that we have the choice, the choice points to always lean into what feels right for us, not yeah. take on board somebody else's feedback and see that as absolute truth. Yes. Okay. This yeah. is really good. Um, and you speak about seeking answers in a world of distractions. And of course, yes. while you're offering up information for those who need it at that level, I could actually read through so many of the things that you're saying. And it was mm -hmm. like, this is seen through the distractions of the mainstream narrative, legacy media, what we're yes. being told on television. Yes. Right. But what about those that are aware and they know something's mm. not quite right but they don't feel like they can open up their throat chakra and mm. allow their word to be their wand which is another one of the principles that you teach in be the love mm. it's really about practice we have mm. to learn how to strengthen these muscles and also be willing to be wrong mm. so from an, in, an intuitive training perspective we have to be willing to do the work to lean in with curiosity to all of the data points that were being offered by the universe around us and the, the blessings and the gifts that are delivered to us by a higher power. And so when we learn how to align that simple information, we can paint a much bigger picture of what's going on and what's about to come into our lives. And it really is about mastering the present moment because mm. the most pinnacle point of power we have is the present moment. That's quite a mouthful to say. <laughs> I always say that I'm like, oh, Peter Piper, Victor Becker, Pickle Peppers. <laughs> but, but it's, it's like, I'm always amazed when I say that seamlessly because it didn't start out like that. Uh, and I have said that before. Uh, it is the power of the present. That's where we reside. This is where the portal to possibility is. And so if you're not confident in your intuition, learn to surround yourself with people that know how to use their own and then witness them. I think that this is what's so beautiful about communities, communities that you've built too, Michelle, in terms of reminding people that they are sovereign beings. And the biggest part of sovereignty is cultivating that level of discernment within. Mm. You know, what you just said actually gave me the full body chills and made me tear up a bit because mm. the present moment when we can learn to master that, that is the portal of all possibilities and infinite yes. timelines, right? And infinite yes. manifestation. Mm. And yet so many people still, not quite the listeners of this community, but mm. so many people 
are trying to reach for something just beyond the present moment because they think that is going to give them the happiness. When in fact, if we reverse engineer, the only way that we can actually be happy, truly fulfilled is in this now moment without any attachment to any outcome whatsoever. Yes. Yeah. I know it's it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's and multi-layered and multifaceted. It's just it's exquisite. And it's such an honor to be on a life journey as a human being. And the purpose of manifestation, I believe, is experience and existence Mm -hmm. and not the attainment of more things. You know, so (laughs) I'm so glad that you brought that up because I know that you're awake and I know that you've also had obviously a profound spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. And I know that you turned in your final and at peace manuscript 18 months ago. And so Mm -hmm. I was really curious, you know, in the world of manifestation, which you are known to be such a master teacher in this space, um, one of the very, very best in my world, because you're so authentic. Mm -hmm. But how has it shifted now that so much of humanity has awakened to their sovereignty, to a higher consciousness, right? A deeper way of being in the world. Are some of the other and older paradigm tactics still necessary? Or are you seeing a shift in how manifestation can be in today's reality? Mm. I'm seeing a shift for so many people and it depends on where they're at. Mm -hmm. And I, I do believe that it's important to focus on the feelings. That's one of the key pieces of manifestation that as a collective, we are seeing more of a move towards sovereignty, but there's also the awareness of people that will not ever be aware that they are sovereign beings and that's okay. And when the sovereign beings can bring compassion to the ones that they can see are not quite awake yet, that's where the magic and the beauty happens. And I am so reluctant to say I'm awake because mm-hmm. as soon as I do that, that's when the lessons start coming, you know, like batting down the hatches. <laughs> we got some more layers, Sarah, don't be so cocky. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, I'm aware that I'm awake to a certain extent. And I'm also aware that I am fast asleep in other areas and I'm willing to do the work as it arises and not to see it as a linear journey that just because I had this awakening on this date doesn't mean that I'm fully done yet (laughs) so as human beings we're going to keep going until it's done right yeah you know um I pick a one word intention every single year and last year Mm -hmm. speaking curiosity that was my word and that's when I awakened to so much more right first Mm. it was the external the COVID-19 then the great reset agenda and and then it became a really internal awakening Mm. and then I was enjoying that so much as excruciating as that was I chose my one word intention for 2022 to be awakening because I know that I will never be awake. So you're Mm. right, language is important. It's an Mm. awakening journey and it's layer by layer by layer. And I knew that when I chose that word, I was like, you're asking (laughs) for a lot, you know, be careful. Mm -hmm. And it was like, no, don't be careful. Go wide, go deep, go all in because I don't want to be any other way. So it's no mistake that I were to find be the love, you know, in my awakening journey that's been so Mm. steep. I want to talk about something that's really, I think it's coming up for so many people. And you even mentioned that it was highlighted for you as a result of writing Be the Love. And while you were writing the manuscripts, you are not broken. Oh, (laughs) trauma and the seeking the approval. And can we expand on that for a few moments? Absolutely. So there comes a point on our journey where we don't feel good enough. I think there are so many people that when they have that breakdown before the breakthrough, they don't feel good enough, or they might have uh, tendencies toward perfection, which I know I do as well. And it just, it keeps on happening and unfolding in the way that it meant it's meant to, but there's also an awareness that you are not broken. You mm-hmm. have never, ever been broken. And so when we, when we remember our power, when we remember that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience and that it's okay to experience seasons of depression, seasons of sadness, seasons of ups, downs, losing people, uh, friendship breakdowns, it's perfectly okay. And so we can bring awareness to the fact that brokenness is part of the journey. It's like wearing a badge of honor that you can rise above because we are all writing our stories and learning how to transmute our pain into power. 
Mm, beautifully said. A breakdown for a breakthrough so that we can mm -hmm. more. That is just gorgeous. Um, there's something else that really touched me. And I know that I shared with you before I hit record that I want to save some of those really vulnerable stories for my listeners just to go and pick up your book because they're going to want to sure. read breathe and then maybe read it again <laughs> yeah <laughs> and a lot of relatability around so much of our suppressed shame mm. that you're so courageous enough to shine a light on yours so that others can feel more comfortable about just even being with theirs much less maybe articulating or shining a light on theirs mm -hmm. but there was a part in your book that actually really touched me in a way that I can't explain and it was in the law of letting go when you spoke about being strangled at birth Oh, and how God. much that, right? How much looking back now that's impacted your life, mm. being seen, being heard, being worthy. I'd love for you to expand on that. And then I'll share why that touched me so much from my own experience at birth. Gosh, you pulled out the good ones. <laughs> the ones that I always say. Wow. A single page without one of these being called a quote good one. They're, they're oh, so special. You. These nuggets are beautiful. That's really the, the beginning though. Uh, so I was, my mother's, uh, my mother tells the story of when I came into the world and the umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck. And so every time she pushed, it was strangling me. And mm -hmm. I came out and I was blue and the the way that it um it unfolded is that they thought that i had not made it and i was the first baby that my mother could keep after giving away her first two children up for adoption and so there was a lot of pressure and responsibility on me that i couldn't even understand and mm -hmm. i i really honor my mother's strength for the choices that she made but in that moment like the first baby that she could keep the first moments of that baby's life my life were that I was, I was out. And so I was being strangled and the life was being drained out of me from just the situation. So how that translates is that it strained the relationship on my, with my mother, because she did tell that story over the years so many times. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it's a story of survival. So when your first experience into the world is dying, that sets you up even on a subconscious level of, oh, I'm going back straight back to wherever I came from, you know? And so chapter seven of the book is everything is energy. And that mm -hmm. loops back to my daughter, Lulu, my third child that was born after five miscarriages in a row. Mm -hmm. And I had a near death experience. And so mm -hmm. my ex first experience after she was born was dying. And she's the mm -hmm. one that's the most like me, which is really ironic. So mm -hmm. we're on these sacred cycles we're on these uh, signature energy patterns that repeat for a reason. I don't believe anything is by accident. These are all beautiful ways that God, the universe works through us and for us. I love that you just shared that story that, that Lulu is most like you. Can you expand a yeah. little bit more into that? Because this is an ancestral lineage because energy truly is everything. Mm -hmm. So... It, it was the opposite experience of coming into the world, dying, and then having my third daughter and then mm. exiting. But it was what I experienced when I had the near-death experience. Mm. Experience. <laughs> Too many words there. <laughs> it was what I, what I witnessed when I went to this other realm that really showed me that we are so much more than we think we are. Mm. And the essence of all that exists is love, and it's an intoxicating love. And so after, well, the way it happened was that I had a uh, cesarean section and the pain medication wore off. So I could feel everything and I started to go into shock and I was on the operating table. And then all of a sudden I left my body. I was above my body. I could see myself. I could see the world through Lulu's eyes mm -hmm. and I started forgetting who I was and I started to panic. I thought, who am I? I can't remember who I am. Am I dead? And I don't know how much time passed, but I could see everything that I find aesthetically pleasing from, you know, the, the colors that I use for my books, the color purple, orchids, ornate mirrors, all this beautiful, the, the love that I have for my children, the love for everyone in the world. I could feel it. It was so overwhelming. And then I heard the voice. There was a voice and it said, Sean, Olivia, Thomas and Lulu. So Olivia, Thomas and Lulu, my children. And as that voice landed, I remembered who I was and I woke up 
And it was mm. three hours after the birth. Wow. So I was wow. in a recovery room. <laughs> I was out for that long until I woke up and I was completely changed. That was one of my first, what I would call an awakening where it really changed everything. And the year after that completely accelerated. So we were living in Australia. Um, we decided to move to America and it, it happened so fast. It happened within six months. And most people are told it takes, you know, four years to go from one country to another with all the legalities. And so we were fortunate enough to do that. We had our first million dollar year. We had our baby, things were going really well, but yet the emotional violence would still crop up whether it was hormonally induced and I was just not feeling good about myself or there was too much change going on because of those pesky dynamics of change, but it was a, a rebirth. So I want to bring it back to like the, the strangling feeling because whenever I have felt strangled emotionally, I've lashed out. And so part of the feel, heal, reveal method is learning how to navigate and to trust that everything's okay. And that there's not the mad scramble for air or breath or connection or safety. Um, mm. And I'd love to hear your why that was so important for you, Michelle. Well, first, I just want to just acknowledge what you went through in that operating room experience. And <laughs> frankly, while obviously you can't remember that as an adult, yeah. that's an imprint on our soul. Mm. And what's fascinating to me as I even reflect on mine and then I think about yours is I also believe that nothing happens by accident. Mm -hmm. And so whatever that was for you was for you to lean more into what you're sharing with the world now, right? Mm. Yeah. Like just open up your heart even more and to not be strangled emotionally and to let down yeah. the armor is the way that I would see it. And it's like, and to open your heart. And it's always, always for me, it comes back to the heart. I know you speak about that and be the love um, mm -hmm. quite a bit. This is where our true power resides, the real mm -hmm. power, benevolent yes. power. Right? And it can only happen from an open, open, deep heart. Mine yeah. was, um, when I was born, I had uh, hepatitis C so badly that my mother didn't even get to hold me. So they immediately, oh. quote, yanked me from her arms while the doctor literally said, ah, shit, I think we <sighs> broke her shoulder. So energetically, it wasn't a safe, you know, frequency or loving environment. And I was immediately put in um, an incubator for three full days. So imagine like a brand new baby with these bright, sterile lights and these, these faces, you know, peering in at me yeah. with, with sheer terror, right? Um, my mother looking at me and me. I've now been able to relive this experience to plant medicine and even through a breathwork class. My interpretation of that being a brand new newborn is that I had somehow caused the suffering on their faces. And oh. the next interpretation was I need to always take care of my mother at all mm -hmm. costs. So that's an interesting oh. story. And then the other part that's shown up for me throughout my life, and I'm I've really done some deep work around this these last many years, but is that without trauma, there mm -hmm. is no love. Wow. Yeah. Because my wow. mother loved me, right? So so all my past relationships, whether it was in friendships or in family dynamics or lovers and long-term mm -hmm. boyfriends, there was always an element of trauma that was unresolved within me. I didn't understand how to feel it, to heal it, much less to reveal it. But the last two and a half years, I've done such beautiful deep work around this. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. But see, everything stems from those first few moments we're born up until, you know, five, six years old. And so few yeah. people are willing to see that energy really is everything. And that if you, you got to go back, you know, you got to go back so that you can feel some of that, heal it so that you can actually reveal the truth of who you are, which has never been hurt, harmed, or endangered as a soul. So we're getting very vulnerable. And thank, thank you so much for sharing that, Michelle. I, there's a place I feel uh, inspired to share, but I am also mindful that it involves somebody else. <laughs> uh, my son, and he was, um, I was four months pregnant when I got assaulted by my husband. Mm. And I have witnessed how that has had energetic ripples in his life mm. and the strength that he's had to develop, even at such a young age, he's 20. Uh, he turns 21 this year, so he'll be the same age I was when I had him, which is 
such a, a beautiful loop that's closing and he has found ways and outlets to deal with that subconscious imprinting which mm -hmm. I carried around so much guilt for because as it explains in the book I had a dream about this child before he was born it's a sacred contract I you know over and above the drama of domestic violence and all of the things that unfolded throughout that 10 years my son and I were so close so mm. close he was my little friend we grew up together and so mm. when he moved out nearly two years ago at the time that I started writing be the love it mm. was like that's when the awakening just busted wide open because the person that I had spent nearly two decades pr protecting and defending and this I had a wall up all the time always protecting Thomas protect him from the world protect him from this all of a sudden he was out in the world on his own and so I didn't want him to suffer and as parents there's so many parents that can relate. You never want your child to suffer. But we also need to consider at least that it's part of a sacred contract with a higher power where we're getting exactly what we need to learn, grow and evolve. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not me making excuses of the fact that I was beaten up while I was pregnant or that my ex-husband did that to me. There's no blame. There's no fault. It's simply a part of a story, an impersonal story that could have been guided in a different direction but it has a purpose there's mm. a purpose for the pain i wouldn't mm. be talking to you right now if i hadn't written books about all the things that have happened to me in my life but i believe it was a conscious sacred contract that i'm mm. living out and that we can rise above those contracts and they don't even need to have conscious meaning wrapped around them either i, I want to be really careful about attaching meaning to things um that this is our opportunity to remember that we are always divinely guided and whatever unfolds in our lives is meant for us at that moment that there mm. are no mistakes even mm. if you do i mean <laughs> in the last couple of years i've dealt with skin cancer you know i never mm. thought oh you get skin cancer right but it is on a cellular level processing those emotions that are coming up to the surface to be healed mm. so so many things to talk about and and i had a spot on my face that was diagnosed as skin cancer got a second opinion and during the time between the first and the second opinion i did all of the internal work i mm. um and they did a second biopsy and there was no trace of skin cancer oh my god amazing, amazing. so we can heal that's my point <laughs> long-winded way of saying heal. that we can heal okay <laughs> there and i know we're about to wrap and i do have two final questions for you but i want to share sure. something that i just realized these past um, few weeks so maybe two months ago i had this little lump on my back that was like the size of let's say a marble but it was mm -hmm. really it had protruded and it looked like it was solid right mm -hmm. and it wasn't a carbuncle it wasn't a cyst i can't remember actually even what it was it was totally benign it had been there for about nine months during my wow. started at the beginning of my awakening journey and it just yeah. got bigger and, bigger and bigger to the point was like it was visible with a top on right so it was like okay, okay you got to go and have this yeah. actually removed so i went and had it removed a little more than two months ago and i've gone back four times because i'm like something's not right it still itches and i feel like there's a little mm -hmm. lump there every time i've gone back the doctor's just like no i i don't see what you're seeing and i'm like no something is not right like and we would take photos my mother on my back or my friend yeah. on my back anyway bottom line is that in my plant medicine ceremony about four weeks ago now five weeks ago now mm -hmm. i was shown very clearly that in order for me to fulfill my divine purpose my heart must be open i must mm. love myself completely wholly and sincerely and love everyone else that i have the opportunity to serve and i always thought i did but this was like a whole new level for what i'm being called in as my mm. divine purpose mm. and so this energetically if you look literally physically on my back and where my heart chakra is they correlate mm. Wow. More that I've been opening my heart, this thing is actually broken open and it was a stuck suture. This is so oh. wild to me, but yes, yeah. if I can feel everything I needed to feel, heal parts of myself that I didn't know needed to be healed and really did my integration so sincerely, this would have never been revealed in the way that it was revealed. And what a beautiful lesson that holistically, energetically, right? Mm. We completely heal ourselves.
Yes. But we've got we're to willing to do the work. We've got to be willing to connect the dots and do the deep inner work and like mm. be independent thinkers. You said it at the top of this conversation. You became yeah. a critical thinker on a level that you didn't even know that you could become. And this is where the magic is. This is where we literally can look at a book that says, be the love, seven ways to unlock your heart and manifest happiness and not roll our eyes, but be like, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> right? This is not hyperbole. This is gold. Oh, thank you. <laughs> beautiful. It just is. But you can only get that if you can be it. Yes. And open it your heart embodiment. to receive it. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd love to know what you've learned the most about yourself since you submitted the final manuscript and then <laughs> the anticipation of the book coming out, being on all the podcasts and the different shows, right? Having to share about the book. You're still marketing the book because we're speaking about this before it hits bookshelves. Mm -hmm. What has been like the greatest gift for you in terms of a deep teaching? Oh, mm -hmm. oh, wow. The deep, the <laughs> <gift>. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go there. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go there. It's the awareness that my work is only just beginning and mm. that now these artificial layers are being peeled away. My children mm. will thrive. My work will be more authentic. Mm. I can serve more people and guide them into a space that will really serve them. So my intuition has been activated in such a way now that I feel inspired to teach other people how to activate their own intuition. So it's veering away from manifestation and well, not so much veering away from it, but more incorporating that as a tool rather than the main focus. So that's been the absolute gift of this journey and knowing that we are all on a journey together. We're all mm. part of the same beautiful fabric of oneness and mm. that there is always so much to learn. Mm. <laughs> beautiful. That's really our love language here on Fire and Soul. I so appreciate it. Before we wrap, is there anything that you wish I would have asked you or that you would like to share before we conclude? Ooh, I just want to take a moment to honor you, Michelle. And mm -hmm. I, I've witnessed and I've watched the unfolding and the waking up and the, uh, the, the journey, the education journey too. And I just want to say how inspiring it's been to, to witness over the last couple of years. So thank you. And thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> it's my honor and privilege, honestly. And um, I hope it's not three years before we have you no. back. The Lord knows you're going to be writing another book sometime very soon. I love yeah. the direction that your work is, is uh, calling you forward. And I, I know in my heart that it's because you've decided to embody the love that is rightfully yours, that there is nothing wrong with any of us. And I love the message and the mission that you are on. And this is really such an important medicine for humanity right now. So I can't thank, thank you, you enough for, for sharing your heart and your sovereignty. Bless you, my friend. You too. Thank you for listening to Fire and Soul. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. And if you'd like to connect on social, you can find me anywhere at Michelle Sorrow. Or if you'd like to reach out to me directly, you can at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.